Shut up and sit down. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. What's up, guys? Welcome to the show. Episode 35 of the Quiet Part Loud podcast. And as always, I'm your host, Daryl. It's great to be here. And we're almost there, guys. We're almost there. See, the end of the week insight finish line is just a couple of days out. So keep pushing. Wherever you're listening to us from, keep pushing. And it's almost a weekend. What a weekend is going to be. If you're in the UK, it's going to be a great one. It's going to be a great one. The weather's supposed to be incredible. There's an amazing event on Saturday night that the UFC is bringing to Liverpool. And then we just coast into a little bank holiday weekend, the last one of May. So, you know, hopefully the weather stays the way it is and you guys can get out there, do some barbecuing, get some vitamin D on the skin, start feeling good. Um, but overall, feeling great. Killing it in the gym. Lots of output, lots of effort. Starting to see results, which is fantastic. Um, and just generally, overall, uh, feeling good. Got a good weekend ahead, going away on Friday night uh, just for the evening. Um, and then back for this UFC event in Liverpool. And then going to take it easy for the rest of the weekend. Hang out with the family and uh, you know, probably do some grilling. Take advantage of the of the, what is supposed to be gorgeous weather. Um, you know, you never know when it's gonna come, you never know when it's gonna leave. So take advantage of it when it's here, guys. So if you're in the UK, enjoy your bank holiday weekend. But I wanted to make sure that we got on the mic one more time. And, you know, as always, there's plenty of shit to talk about, plenty of subjects to cover, and we'll get to all that. Um, I'm just debating, and I'm debating now, uh, while I'm talking to you guys, whether I'm gonna front load the UFC conversation or 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 close out the show with it but i think i think instead of asking you guys to skip forward if you're not interested in the ufc content um i think i'm gonna save it so we'll park that at the end we'll close out the show just with a look at the main event because i want to give a good breakdown to um not only the matchup but the story behind uh these fighters because you know, it's one of the things I love about individual sports. It's one of the things I love about combat sports. Um, it's a tale of two stories that are completely different um, with some, I guess, very key parallels, but not from an upbringing, not from a situational point of view, from a methodology point of view. And we'll get to that um, a little later on. But I want to start the show, actually, um, talking about talking about a Labour MP. We're talking about UK politics right off the jump, right? So nice and light. <laughs> Funny, um, actually, this one, uh, because this is about a Labour MP called David Lewis who um, planned to stand for the women's officer position in Basingstoke because uh, the Labour Party has a policy of allowing self-identifying trans women to stand on all women shortlists. Again, all women shortlists for a politician. Um, a, a, a politician's position is absurd, first and foremost. Let's get that out of the way, right? Um, I'm a fundamental disagreer with uh, quality of outcome. I think it's, I think it's disgusting as a thought. I think it's 
abhorrent as a methodology and I think it's disastrous as an outcome. So that's that's how I feel about equality of outcome. Equality of opportunity, that's a beautiful thing. Equality of outcome is terrible. So let's just lay that there. Labor have a policy for allowing self-identifying trans women to stand in all women shortlist, right? So we've identified the problem with all women shortlists, um, but they allow self-identifying trans women. So David Lewis, who was planning to stand for a women's officer position in Basingstoke, right, did this to show and expose the flaws in this policy of allowing self-identifying trans women to stand on all women, um, all women shortlists, right? So he said he planned to stand for this position because he claimed he identified as a woman on Wednesdays between 6.50 a.m. when his alarm goes off and around midnight when he goes to bed. (laughs) So... This is after the party's um, National Executive Committee, the NEC, um, renewed Labour's commitment to transgender rights in its rule book and continued to allow self-identifying trans women to be eligible to stand on all women shortlist, right? So basically, his justification for this, and I have to laugh because it it is hilarious, he says, and I'm quoting him, He told uh, a magazine that the application he put in had been accepted, actually, um, by his local party in Basingstoke under the guidelines on self-identification, right? The labor policy. He says, quoting him, my womanness is expressed by my saying, I self-identify as a woman now and again on Wednesdays. He added, I make no changes in my behavior or my appearance. I keep my name, David, and my male pronouns. I wear the same sort of clothes that I wear the rest of the week. I keep my beard and enjoy the full womanness of my beard. He also added, um, he was standing to inform his constituency labor party about what the policy means and about what happens when you say that someone's transgender or someone's gender depends on only what they say and nothing else. He's like, and he basically says, anyone else that criticizes or questions him about my his gender identity um, are not relevant to the Labour Party at the moment, given the current policies. Because under the current policies, he's a self-identifying transgender woman, right? Because the only barrier to entry there is if you self-identify as a woman. But he's been suspended because, um, <laughs> because he's trying to... He's trying to loophole this policy to get himself elected. So he's been suspended uh, pending an investigation and he's not allowed to stand for this all women shortlist seat, even though he's abiding by the Labour Party's current policy. Right. So is the absurdity of this policy any more on show than this than what David Lewis has done here? And and obviously he's done it on purpose, right? He's obviously done this on purpose. He does not identify as a trans woman. He's just saying that you're not, this is the problem with the policy. 
This is the problem with going all in just to be politically correct with with whatever the buzzword key term kind of, you know, uh, kind of momentum, whatever, whatever the movement is that has momentum behind it. You can't go all in with that just to say, well, we cover everybody. You have to be more discerning than that. You can't just say you allow self-identifying transgender women to stand on all women shortlists. Right? There's two problems there. We've already identified the, the all women shortlist problem when it comes to politics and choosing the best person for the job. And we've identified the fact that there is a massive problem, or at least I consider there to be a massive problem with equality of outcome. So an all women shortlist goes towards that equality of outcome for a position that should be done off of meritocracy, experience, you know, validity of your attributes to that position. It shouldn't just be like, what? well, let's see which women are best for it. That's fucked up. Just like, let's see only what men are best for this job. That's garbage. And it doesn't have good outcomes. But the fact that you write in an all kind of blanket policy that says, well, all you got to do is self-identify and we'll include transgender women in there because they're women just like everybody else, but no parameters that are you know, kind of thought out at all. You can't put those in as policy. And it's a major problem from a voting perspective. When I see, when I see a party, a political party, just bend for votes, bend for coverage, puts me off. It puts me off. And so I love what David Lewis did. I love that, you know, a guy in politics had the nerve to his own detriment, and he probably knew he'd get suspended for it, but how fucked up is that, right? It's like the James Damore email for Google. You know, he gets fired for pointing out an absolute truth. Garbage. Absolute garbage. So, his suspension to me is reflective of of somebody is somebody (laughs) When somebody has nothing else to say in an argument, when they are when they start to make personal attacks or they don't know what else to say and they start to stutter and they fumble and that's the equivalent of this. This suspension is basically the Labour Party's equivalent of that. Because if you can't see how absurd the policy is, I, I don't know what to do for you. I can't get behind a political party that makes absurd policies like that. And I'm not party affiliated. I'm not party affiliated. I like manifestos. I like, not that they mean, you know, they're not worth the fucking paper they're written on, you know, but at least it gives me some keyhole view into some of the thinking, I suppose. I mean, fuck else can we do, really? Um, It's not like you can interrogate each and every one of these guys and ask them specific, you know, specific set of questions because that's what I want to know. You know, it doesn't matter what, you know, what the wider issues are, what the wider policy problems are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But from a policy issue, this is one of the most absurd because it just forms a blanket solution to a nuanced issue. There has to be parameters. You can't just be qualified as a transgender person because you identify as a transgender person. I need some sort of a commitment. Personally, I need some sort of a commitment. If you want to 
go from a man to a woman, cut your dick off or get that operation. Go full hog in it. I need some commitment. I need some commitment. Self-identifying trans woman. What the fuck is that? It's like gender fluidity. No, gender is an absolute. I'm sorry, but gender is an absolute. There's an XY chromosome and there's an XX chromosome. Come on. What the fuck are we talking about? Self-identifying trans women can, can run an all-women shortlist. Labor. Corbin. Whoever the fuck else this falls into earshot of. This is a major issue. You are not going to gain voters in the long run by this kind of policy and this kind of um, organization. You're just not. People are quickly starting to see through this bullshit and... This is why people like Donald Trump get elected because people are sick of this garbage. It's just garbage. Um, so thank you, David Lewis. I didn't expect to spend, you know, 10 minutes on it, but um, I think he should be reinstated if he still wants to be part of the Labour Party. Um, I think the Labour needs to look at its policies, specifically this one, Um and stop being so accommodating for the sake of being accommodating. It's gross. And I think more educated or more enlightened or more kind of just switched on individuals, not like just putting myself in there in that group of, of people, but anybody that's kind of able to critically think about issues will not be okay with this. They'll park this. They'll see it for the stupid fucking um, policy that it is and they'll reject it and they'll probably to some degree feel like I do which is a bit gross about the whole thing because it's just pandering it's really just pandering so I don't know stand for something or fall for everything and right now seems like you're falling for a whole bunch of obvious bullshit so I just wanted to touch on it because I thought David Lewis and if I can find you on social media David Lewis I will be sure to tag you in this. Um, I just want to make a note of it because I keep forgetting. And there we go. So I'm going to have a look, see if I can find you. And if I can, I'll tweet you because I think, I think you deserve a round of applause, mate. I don't think you've done anything wrong. I think you've exposed an obvious flaw and absurdity in the party policy. And I think you were right to do so. Um, so that's my take on it. Uh, in terms of <laughs> in terms of that um, <clears throat> but just sticking with the UK for a bit and I know we kind of you know we might go here we might go there but it's kind of what the ticker is saying for the day you know what issues are kind of sparking an interest with me and the next one I touched on on our last show but I just want to go and readdress it because it makes me feel ill. And I think if I can play even a small part in any sort of exposure that this little boy gets and his family gets and his mother gets, then I can rest a little easier at night knowing that, that, the, that the tragedy that is being perpetuated by the UK Home Office, the UK government as a whole, is this is criminal to me 
okay? And what I'm talking about is a little boy called Billy Caldwell. And I, I mentioned him briefly, and I mentioned this situation, uh, I think, briefly last episode. Um, for those that don't know, or those that didn't listen to the last episode but might be listening to this one, Billy Caldwell uh, suffers from an aggressive form of epilepsy. Billy's uh, Billy's 12, okay? And when I say aggressive form of epilepsy, I mean aggressive form of epilepsy. His mother, Charlotte, has said in interviews that Billy can suffer up to 100 seizures a day. Now, we touched on... Alfie Dingley's situation in the Legalize It episode and in subsequent episodes after that. Alfie's mom says that he could suffer up to 150 seizures a month. Now, I'm not playing any sort of comparisons here in terms of severity because epilepsy is epilepsy and seizures are seizures and, you know, one would be horrendous. I can never imagine going and having to go through them daily or weekly or monthly if I knew one at some point was coming at some point, you know? Never mind having to have that thought, but also knowing that when they do come, they're going to last all day. Talk about living, tor- like just torture, just torture. Right? Have you ever have you ever seen somebody having an epileptic fit? It's terrifying. It's terrifying. It's terrifying seeing an adult like that. Never mind seeing a twelve-year-old or a seven-year-old having one. I witnessed it at work about six years ago, and it stays with me for sure. Um, but that was a 30-year-old man. And it was it was terrifying, obviously. But I've never witnessed anything to the degree of severity that they're describing in Billy's case. Now, you can imagine why I'm bringing this up if you've listened to the show before. But Billy is also kind of a groundbreaker because Billy was the first person in the UK to receive an NHS prescription to take uh, medical cannabis because they had gone to America, I believe it was, and the mother, Char- his mother Charlotte had, under- after trying a few different oils, um, found one that actually started to relieve his symptoms. So a GP in this country, and I, I want to get the guy's name because um, he, Dr. Brendan O'Hare, and this is in Northern Ireland, by the way. Dr. Brendan O'Hare um, was the one that prescribed him the medical cannabis. Well, Brendan O'Hare, Dr. Brendan O'Hare is a GP who has now been told he cannot do so anymore, Right? So last week, basically, what happened was uh, Billy's mom, Charlotte, went to have his prescription refilled and was told 
that it would not be possible to do this. He's been told by the Department of Health and the Health Board in Northern Ireland that he should not continue to prescribe this 12-year-old boy with aggressive epilepsy, 100 seizures a day when they trigger, that he cannot do his job by providing a quality, uh, an improved quality of life to this young boy and alleviate his, his suffering because that's what they're, that's what they're invoking if they continue to refuse medical cannabis as an as an option for treating patients with any number of ailments, right? So just in terms of the Department of Health in the UK as a whole, but specifically talking to Northern Ireland here because, I mean, this is just bullshit uh, personified because you can't, I've said it before, right? No such clinically supported applications have been received by the department is what the is what the Department of Health in Northern Ireland is saying, right? They're saying an application made by a special clinician based in the UK to prescribe a Schedule One controlled drug on the basis of relevant medical and scientific evidence and guidance may be considered within existing legislative legislative provisions and appropriate clinical supervision arrangements. So they're basically just saying, we haven't received an application, but if an application that covers all of these things and if Sam's and butts, you know, fall into line, we may consider giving up. You've got a 12 year old boy suffering a hundred seizures at a time. And I'm talking two cases here. You've got a six or seven-year-old boy that can potentially suffer up to 150 seizures a month. These are two of hundreds of cases of epilepsy in the UK, both of children all the way up to adults. But we're not just talking about epilepsy. We're talking about it specifically in the case of Billy Caldwell, who is going to be immediately suffering at the end of this month when his prescription runs out. His mother's not calling for a countrywide, UK-wide legalization for recreation and, and medical purposes. She's asking for special circumstances for her child and they should be granted like that. There should be no bureaucracy here. The court of public opinion should win out in this case because you're the ones, Department of Health, saying there's no evidence. The burden of proof should be on you to provide the evidence in the other way, but you can't be fucking bothered. We're telling you it helps epilepsy. It helps multiple sclerosis. It helps HIV. It helps depression. It helps anxiety. It helps nausea. Come on. We're talking about alleviating the suffering of kids going through chemotherapy, of these two individuals that we're, that we're speaking about now, we're talking about anybody that is afflicted by a disease in the wide spectrum of diseases that can be helped or relieved by the use of medical cannabis and or CBD oil. The fact that you haven't come anywhere close to doing what is correct 
on the wider legislation is a bad place to be. That's fair to say, I think. The fact that you are not even willing to move the needle with any urgency to assure the parents of these little children that you will not let their child suffer anymore simply because you can't get off your ass and do the work or listen to people that are doing the work, whether it be domestically or internationally, because the work is there, is ignorant and criminal. I'm looking at the Home Office. I'm looking at Theresa May. I'm looking at the Department of Health and anybody else that's tangled up in this web of hypocrisy and criminality when you're talking about quality of life and human rights. You are restricting this kid's right as a human being to live a less painful life. It's as simple as that. I am sick of hearing these cases and I'm sick of listening to dumb fuck politicians talk about something they have no clue about. No clue about. And worse than that, they don't care. They don't care to find out. They don't care to listen to the people that are coming to them with their hands out saying, help me. You're elected to help me. Help me. Better than that, don't help me. Help my son. Help my child. And bureaucracy stands in the way of making a decision, which is as simple as someone standing up in parliament like Theresa May, I don't know, and saying, it's done. Because I'm telling you right now, if you put it out to a vote, it passes overwhelmingly. Why are we not doing this? Why are we not taking swift action to alleviate the suffering of our children and of our sick who are going about it in an illegal way anyways? Guess what? They're still going to go out there and try to get it. So you're going to put Charlotte Caldwell, Caldwell in a position where she has to go and cop eventually. She's got to go and cop. She's got to call some fucking dusty ass fucking weed dealer to come around her house or meet her at a location to pick up a stash. Or she's got to take the risk of growing it herself and not knowing what the hell she's doing anyways. But that's going to take a few months. And unless she has an indoor operation, the climate of the UK doesn't support annual growth. So what is she supposed to do? Just sit there while she sleeps in the same bed as her child to comfort him and watches him suffer day after day after day after day? The Department of Health in the UK, Theresa May, the Home Office, you should all be ashamed of yourself. Every single one of you should look in the mirror and be disgusted with what you see in a reflection. Because what you're doing to these children is criminal. I'll say it again. What you're doing to these kids is criminal. And now you've stopped a doctor doing his job. So to uh, Dr. Brendan O'Hare, I want to say I agree that with you when you say that there's an ethical issue in not allowing Billy to have medical cannabis. I want to personally invite anybody connected with this story, Charlotte Caldwell, um, who is Billy's mom, 
Brendan the doctor, uh, I would love to talk to you guys. Um, if it's something that you end up hearing and I'll make the relevant channels open on social media, come and talk, man. It's unfiltered here. I promise. And I'm already on your side. So if you want another forum, maybe not one as big as you've been on, um, but certainly the most <laughs> unbiased and, and, and non-judgmental place that you could come is right here because I'm all the way on your side with this. Um, again, and I'll leave it here because, you know, we can't, I mean, I will continue to fight this, but there's other things that I want to talk about in this particular episode. Um, I just think the Department of Health have fucked up. And the only comment that you can muster up is that cannabis is a class B controlled drug and has not yet been licensed in the UK as medicine. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck anybody that's attached to this that's continuing this kid's suffering. Fuck you guys, man. There's a warm spot in hell for the suffering that you are allowing to occur every single day. And if there's anything like retribution out there, it's it's got your fucking name written all over it. So, come on, guys. Come on. Anybody out there that's listening to this, that lives in the UK, stand up. Don't be afraid to post things about supporting cannabis about supporting medical marijuana, CBD oil, edibles. Don't be ashamed of it, man. There's nothing to be ashamed of. This is fucking, this is harmless. This is only helpful. Now, there is a caveat there. If you are somebody that already is mentally ill, has a mental health issue, you know, uh, there are absolutely situations where consuming cannabis, smoking cannabis <coughs> can have a amplified negative effect but that's not the cannabis, there's a deeper rooted issue there, right? The mortality rate, the death rate of cannabis is zero. We gotta move off this shit and we gotta make a change. And the only way it's gonna happen is if we pressure the people that use votes as currency to understand that we are not fucking around. This is not a down the ballot issue. This is not a small print in the manifesto issue. This is front and center because it's a health issue. And it's an educational issue. And it's a PTSD issue which rolls into a medical issue. But it is a societal human rights issue. So... You have to stand up. You have to make yourself known that you are in support of this. And I'm not saying that it needs to be legalized across the board tomorrow, right? I'm not even that audacious, although that's the kind of legislation I would want. Even I'm not that audacious. And I know baby steps will get us there, right? So let's start with the medical 
Let's start with the prescription base. Let's start with the this the you know the the supervised ingest, ingestion sessions. I don't fucking know. Whatever. Just stop fucking around and get it done. Because every single day we don't. There are children and adults alike suffering unnecessarily because of politicians and their lack of interest. Now, I don't know if it's got anything to do with being wrapped up in a tobacco industry or anything like that. I know we have a huge medical export, uh, medical cannabis export business in this country, which a lot of politicians, including including uh, Victoria Atkins, is wrapped up in. So there's a whole kind of web of bullshit that's being spun here. And all it's doing is detracting from the main root issue. And that's that this is a human rights issue because people are suffering unnecessarily. And that's just down to bureaucracy. So, you know how I feel about it. I just, I think if you feel the same way, you shouldn't be embarrassed about it. If you consume it recreationally, who cares? The cops aren't doing anything about this. They don't want to. They can't. They couldn't care less. There's a fucking epidemic of knife crime going on here. And guess what? Legalized marijuana and the illicit drug behavior that comes along with having something like this on the streets rather than controlled, you're seeing the results of it. So it's got a judicial consequence as well. I mean, should I keep going on or should I move on to Trump? Um... Or should I move on to the NRA? Or should I move on to the fact that the Obamas got their own Netflix deal? <laughs> like a couple of fucking savages. And I love it. Because why not? Why not? But right on cue. Right on cue, conservatives are seriously trying to threaten to boycott Netflix. We talked about the boycott, right? In, uh, was it the last episode or the episode before, right? I don't like something, so hashtag boycott that shit, right? And I'm going to read you, and I'm going to call out some of the some of the guys on Twitter for the stupid shit that they've said, right? So just to recap, if you haven't heard, uh, the Obamas have a new deal with Netflix that's going to see them uh, produce, write, um, just basically bring to us different kind of content like docudrama uh, docuseries uh features uh they have a they have their own production company uh it's called um higher ground productions right yeah <laughs> um and it's a multi-year deal and ideally they're going to do several shows for netflix and it's like okay cool like if it's shit i'm not going to watch it if it is i'm going to watch it it's as simple as that Right. Netflix to me is a bit flooded with garbage content and I don't like their preview um, setup. I like Amazon Prime's way better, but I do like the fact that they're throwing tons of cash to get cool people. Like if you guys have not seen David Letterman's thing on Netflix, check it out. He's got like six episodes. He does Jay-Z. He does um, Obama. He does uh, George Clooney. He does um, Malalia. Uh, he does Tina Fey, different people like this, right? And it's like an hour conversation uh, with some cutaways and stuff like that. Fucking brilliant. 
really, really good. So Netflix has the capacity to put creators in a position where they can make amazing content. But they also play the game of we're going to get all the content and a lot of it is shit. So you you find yourself kind of, you know, fishing through a haystack to find a needle. You know, it's, it's kind of that scenario on Netflix a lot of the time, whereas Amazon Prime is a lot cleaner. Their preview system in terms of what you're about to watch is a lot more uh, clearly defined. There's a lot more information without having to have a fucking trailer um, just autoplay on you like you do on Netflix, which is... The, the most ridiculous thing that Netflix has done, at least push it to like seven seconds or eight seconds. So I got a chance to read the description and then the trailer plays. Otherwise it's just noise. But I love the fact that they've given them a fucking deal to, to produce some shows. Let's see what they've got. But no, 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 no. You got, you got the conservatives coming to the table and the little snowflakes being triggered and, and offended and, and mad and, and just outraged. And they can't stand it. They don't know what they're going to do to their lives. Like, you know, what was it that people were fucking, that people were breaking when they removed uh, their funding from, um, from the NRA? <laughs> it was something like that. They were like, they were smashing their juicers or their toasters or something. It's like, hey, fuck wit. You already paid for it. Right? You already paid for it. That's, that's not a good protest when you're when you're breaking something that you use and that you paid for. That's that's stupid. Um, but all these conservatives, I say all, I don't actually know how many have come out, but they're they're obviously making it seem like a bigger deal than it actually is because Netflix are probably sitting there like, oh, what do you think? You think we should? Um, do you think we should take the deal from the Obamas back? <laughs> like, you think fucking Netflix cares about a couple of retards on the internet saying? Things like this. Calling all patriots. Do you subscribe to Netflix? Today they announced a multi-year deal with Barack and Michelle Obama. Please cancel your subscription and show them that this shall not stand. Hashtag retweet. Uh, join us today at support45.com. Hashtag Monday Motivation. Hashtag The Five. Hashtag Hannity. That's from a at we support number 45. We support 45 and the wall is their Twitter handle. So they're clearly an unbiased commentator on this, really thinking it out. Um, that's what they've said. They've said they've announced a multi-year deal with Barack and Michelle Obama. Please cancel your subscription and show them that this shall not stand. What shall not stand? A former president being given a production and the first lady being given a production deal by one of the biggest content producing companies in the world. A lawyer who's a published author, one of the most eloquent speakers and statesmen that, you, you know, one of the top statesmen you've ever had as the president of the United States. Was he perfect? Absolutely not. Did he fuck up? Absolutely. A whole bunch. Did he do some things that were, you know, dirty and and disgusting? For sure. But he's still one of the top guys to ever hold that position. And I would love to know what kind of content they would produce, whether it be docu docu series from you know from Africa and from Kenya where he's from, um, whether it be tackling social issues like the gun violence in Chicago. I don't fucking know. Whatever. I want to see what they've got, right? But you get idiots like this, who's tweeted a screen 
grab of him canceling his comfort is uh, his his cancellation confirmation from Netflix and the message just says as you've requested we've canceled your membership effective Tuesday May 22nd 2018 right and he's gotten 647 likes off of that so not huge right another one at boo boo NYC terrible screen name but there you go has tweeted, and the number one reason to cancel Netflix, dot, 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 Barack and Michelle Obama. <laughs> Another one called Cali Trump Girl at SoCalRed14 says, OMG, cancel your subscription, and has a screenshot of, um, of the news from CNBC announcing the multi-year deal. Not done, not done. The the academic associate or at Sly Sneak, change it for sure, I will cancel any services tries to push social justice warrior politics at me, including Netflix. Thanks, Obama. (laughs) Right? 95 likes on that. So you you can see the small echo chamber that these guys exist in, which is why they're emboldened to make these stupid fucking statements. Um, Another one, Spiral. At Spiral Down 46, Barack and Michelle Obama just confirmed my decision to cancel at Netflix. The content has been declining and a few good series they have, I can torrent for free. Hashtag but buy. So you've just admit that you illegally download content and that you are a full-on idiot because that's what it took for you to confirm because that's going to be some of the better content on Netflix and actually help the content go the other way. And that's a that's in response to a Fox News uh, tweeting the news about uh, the Obama signing up to this deal. Another one, Andrew Consalvi at Consalvi Andrew. Looks like it might be time to cancel my Netflix account. The Obama legacy made the school lunches inedible, healthcare unaffordable, and next they'll make my Netflix unwatchable or make Netflix unwatchable. I mean, keep it going. This is this is America, guys. This is fucking America. So Netflix is hiring the most corrupt president in American history. I am am supposed to support a criminal. No way, Obama. Cancel Netflix. What? Like, punctuation's a motherfucker, Alex, which is at heroes11111. Amazing. Think about how I'm going to cancel Slack Netflix due to Barack and Michelle Obama signing a deal with them. Hashtag things I can't stop doing. Can't stop thinking about how I'm going to cancel a Slack Netflix due to Barack, Barack and Michelle Obama signing a deal with them. Well, it's real easy. Go to your profile page, Michael Notham, which is at Mike Mick Andy Notham. Anyways, this is how you do it. Go to your profile page. Go delete my account. Go confirm. Done. You don't need to spend any more time thinking about it. And you definitely don't need to make up a fucking hashtag for you moron. Tommy Smith thinking it's a good time to cancel Netflix. Obama's really (laughs) crying emoji. Netflix is going down the, hey, look at me. I'm an idiot path in quotations. Um, A Tommy 878, you fucking moron. Um, It's, hey, look at me. I'm an idiot 
in quotations, path is separate, moron. Stop using emojis when you can't even get fucking grammar right and punctuation. And then obviously you get, you know, the, the guys who don't see it as a bad thing as it's just a, you know, as it's just a deal for a content maker who might have a, a, a different perspective on some of the garbage that's out there right now. I mean, these guys are fucking crazy. These guys are crazy. This is this is Trump politics. It's just complexion. It's just vitriol. It's just unsubstanti unsubstantiated name calling and, and garbage. But what makes me laugh the most is how irate they get over something like the Obamas signing a content deal with Netflix. But their response to things like, I don't know, the 22nd or 23rd school shooting in America in 2018 is, our thoughts and prayers are with you. Don't fucking mention a gun at all to any of these hicks because then you're stepping on, that's my fucking second amendment right and you're not gonna take my guns. There's a reason I got an AR-15 or an AR whatever the fuck and that's because I like to shoot and it's my right to shoot and I like to carry a gun. Hey, guns are killing kids. Guns are killing children at a higher rate than they are being killed in the military that are in war zones this year. I said it on the last show and I'm gonna fucking say it again. In America, more kids have been killed by guns this year in school than military personnel that are stationed in war zones. What else do we have to talk about here? But it's so fucking convenient. It's so fucking convenient that these people are so quick to say, like, oh, yeah, uh, fucking talk about a segue. So <coughs> the NRA... The NRA, I'm going to park the Obama shit. Good luck to those guys. I can't wait to see what they <coughs> what they post. And fuck you idiots that are getting irate about it, you hicks. Um, the NRA have a new incoming president. The National Rifle Association has a new incoming president. And his name is Oliver North. Now... If you aren't familiar with Oliver North, allow me to enlighten you just for a moment, if I may. If you are a listener of this podcast, that's my dog throwing remotes off of the sofa. If, if you're a listener of this podcast, there's a good chance that you might also listen to the Joe Rogan experience, you know. Joe Rogan experience, fucking biggest podcast in the world or one of them. Um, and if you've listened to Joe Rogan, you may have heard about Oliver North. Now, Oliver North is the incoming president of the National Rifle Association. Oliver North has come out and said that guns are not the reason for school shootings. Ritalin is. ADHD is. Right? It's that old 
this isn't a gun problem, it's a mental health problem. Which is not untrue, but it's not true, right? Because there's plenty of people out there with severe mental health problems that aren't going around massacring people, right? But almost all of the mass shooters are on some sort of prescription drugs. So you're right and you're wrong and you're right and you're wrong, right? But nobody on Ritalin or any mental health medication committed a mass shooting without a gun. Because you can't, right? It's not fucking shooting if you haven't got a gun. So, obviously, as the leader of the NRA, he's going to deflect any attention away from the gun problem as is humanly possible. And he's turned around and said, the main reasons for the school shootings in America are Ritalin and ADHD medication and the fact that they are not, that schools are not participating in the school shield program that the NRA offers. But we'll not touch the fact that any gun regulation is needed in addition to what is already in place or some bans need to be imposed. Of course, he's not going to say anything like that or he wouldn't be getting the job that he's getting. However, there is a very, very, very good argument to say he shouldn't be getting any position as the president of anything because of the history of who he is. So this is the very same Oliver North that was convicted in the Iran-Contra affair in the 1980s. And I'm going to tell you what the Iran-Contra affair is in just a minute. But just know this, he was convicted of this, right? So right now he's kind of like a political commentator and a host and a, you know, kind of, you know, he's one of those guys, he's a talking head, right? Um, he's written a book or whatever and, uh, and he's retired Marine. But his convictions were vacated and reversed and they were, he had all charges on the Iran Contra deal. Um, um, Iran-Contra deal, he had them all dismissed. And, and, and even though he was convicted of them, you know, politics and America and, you know, all of this. Um, so basically what happened in the Iran-Contra deal is it was, a, it was basically the government were selling illegal weapons to Iran. Right, and the reason that they were doing that is because Iran had a bunch of hostages from the U.S. that they wanted released um, in Lebanon or something like that. Uh, and basically, North came in and started to divert the proceeds from selling those guns to support Contra rebels in Nicaragua that were trying to overthrow the government, which is absolutely prohibited. But they gave him immunity for testifying about it. So he testified that he did it and he got immunity for doing so. This guy's a fucking dirtbag. 
He is a chaos instigator and an all-around bad fucking guy who is not ignorant to the fact of what the actual problem in America with guns is, but he's got himself a position and he can fight it. So, I mean, Oliver North is a fucking scumbag. I mean, yes, he's got grave distinction in the military service. I mean, he's got medals coming out of his ass. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you were diverting money in the millions to fund a guerrilla war in Central America. I mean... You were convicted of it. And he said, you're testifying, you get immunity, right? And I can read you the nuance of the, of the thing, but you probably don't give a fuck. Just know that the NRA is being run by a crooked motherfucker who is a dangerous bastard and effectively has shown a history of, of willing to do whatever he wants to get what he wants. That's what you're contending with now in terms of America uh, getting any restrictions, bans, or legislation put in place on the on the gun issue. Because nobody wants to fight the NRA lobby now. They're definitely not going to do it with this fucking guy. So I don't know. It's just a it's just a sad state of affairs, man. And I feel bad for the kids in America because they're the ones that are going to suffer, man. How about that? Like how about how about being scared of being shot up because you're going to school? worst thing I had to think about growing up going to school was if there was going to be like a pop te- a pop quiz or something like that was it kids aren't supposed to have these thoughts in school worry about being shot down and stuff sorry went off a bit off the rail there reading about the Iran Contra thing but I think it's relevant because this is what kind of incestuous system the US political structure is and anybody that says Donald Trump is outside of that, he may been of one he may have been at one time, but he is squarely nuzzled up to it and sucking off the tit of it now. Because he's intertwined with the NRA. Very, very closely intertwined with the NRA. And now they have a war criminal running it. So you know, good with the bad. Good with the bad. But the all over North, if you've never read about the Iran-Contra deal um, and the Iran-Contra scandal, it, it's a very, very interesting look into the deep, sordid behavior that the military can get up to. Um, it's just really, really bad. Um, what else is going on, guys? Fuck else is going on? Oh, yeah, I saw a trailer for, um, uh, for Mowgli. Now, I just have to say, and I know that's completely switching fucking dynamics there, right? Talking about a political scandal uh, to a film. But hey, just guys, jump on my back and come along from the ride, all right? I'm going to piggyback you through this ride, all right? Don't worry about it. Just fucking follow me, right? I watched this. I watched the trailer. I don't know if you guys have seen this trailer or not, but I just want to say this is how I like remakes to be done, okay? Dark. I want violence. 
I want violence. I want grimy. I want dark. I want, um, I don't want glossy, right? Like, so for instance, with the exception of Batman Forever, and I'll probably get slated for this because I'm such a Jim Carrey fan. Um, like the one with Arnold, the Batman with like Arnold Schwarzenegger in it and like, uh, I don't know, some of the other ones. Poison Ivy in that one as well with Uma Thurman. Like, they're fucking dog shit, right? And let's be honest, like, the good ones, like, kind of the original one with Michael Keaton, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I've got a soft spot for the Adam West show um, back in the day, but I like, I like the new ones. I like Christopher Nolan's Batmans, right? Dark, grimy, visceral. And I'm not saying that Mowgli's like that, but it's closer to that than the remake of The Jungle Book. It looks actually pretty good. Some of the CGI looks a bit fucked up with the wolves, but um, but overall, what I've watched, watched like a two-minute trailer of it, it looks actually pretty decent. So keep your eye out for that. Um, you know, Rudyard Kipling, right? Classic. So um, it looks like they might have done a half-decent job with it. But mu- movies are so bad these days, um, and they're so good at dressing up trailers uh, I've said it before. The only one that I'm truly anticipating, actually, there's a couple now because I started following Tom Hardy on Instagram. Uh, I just think he's a cool motherfucker, and uh, and I like the posts that he puts up. So, um, but I think he's got one coming out called Gonzo, uh, or Where Is Gonzo, or some shit like that. Uh, but that looks quite grimy as well. But I'm looking forward to Scorsese's next one, The Irishman, um, about the disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa, uh, who was a leader of the Teamsters Union. Uh, and that's got De Niro, Pacino, and Pesci. So I am anticipating that. There's also another one, which is about the murder of Biggie Smalls. It's loosely kind of, I guess it's based around that, but it's also based around the corruption of the LAPD. Uh, I think it's called City of City of Lies. And that's got Johnny Depp and Forrest Whitaker in it. And I'm not a big Johnny Depp fan because I think he's a hokey actor. Um and he's a fucking weirdo, and I just, he looks like he smells. Um, but it actually looks half decent. The only other one I've really liked to Johnny Depp, you know, since Donnie Brasco was, um, what's the one he did where he played Dad Gangster? It's kind of loosely based around what, what the Irishman is based on. Um, Black Knight or something like that. I can't remember what the fucking name of it is. But he was all right in that one. He had the, the glass blue eyes, and that was pretty good. Um, but this one with Forrest Whitaker looks looks pretty good, and it's around the Biggie murder and uh, and that time in L.A. Um, I don't know which way it's going to go with it, obviously, but we'll see. Uh, and it looks all right. And I find myself a bit weirded out saying that about a Johnny Depp movie. But there you go. Uh, so that was the that was the movie. Uh, that was the new releases preview coming to you, sponsored by IMDb who didn't pay for this spot, but I'm quoting, I'm shouting them out anyways. Um, yeah, n- I don't really do movie reviews because um, I like watching old shit. Uh, I just, movies today are so bad. I try to give them a chance, but most of them are so bad. I tried to watch Anon, which came on, uh, it's got Clive Owen in it, fucking terrible. Uh, oh, little side note about Clive Owen. When I was 22 working as a waiter in Canada, I served him and his wife and his children in a five-star hotel for breakfast and lunch. He is the worst tipper ever. 
If that's any indication of how celebrities tip, keep it. It was terrible. He had something like an $80 uh, breakfast and left me like $3. And if in terms of like gratuities, that's gross. That's gross misconduct. I, I should have legally been allowed to ask him to get up and not ever come back. Um, so not only is he a shit actor, he's a shit tipper too. Um, but that was our movie preview part of the show brought to you by IMDB for all your movie information and uh, trailers. Go to imdb.com. Um, yeah. Sorry, guys. Where was I? <laughs> um, yeah, Jungle Book. Yeah, it looks all right. Check it out. Um, did you guys see what Kendrick Lamar did? I'm probably going to get some shit for this. Um, if you haven't seen it, Kendrick Lamar was performing at a concert. Uh, I don't know where it was, but there's a video that's going around the internet and it's of Kendrick Lamar calling a, a fan on stage to join him uh, during the performance of Mad City. If you guys aren't hip hop heads or you don't know what Mad City is or who Kendrick Lamar is, you're probably listening to the wrong show um, because we do talk about hip hop sometimes and we do talk about urban culture sometimes. So, Look him up and come on back. But basically, Kendrick Lamar is, you know, one of the most famous uh, rappers in the world. He's considered one of the best rappers in the world. Bit overrated for me uh, personally, and maybe that's just a generational thing, but I think he's trying to be Tupac, um, and he's not. Um, I think if he gets a hit, like if he, get, if he hits on a good one, it's a really good one. Most of his stuff, for me, misses the mark, and I've listened to like two and a half of his albums, I think. Of the new guys, I like J. Cole. I think J. Cole's a really cerebral rapper. Um, I think he's a good storyteller. And, you know, I know Kendrick does storytelling as well. There's just something that misses. And I love West Coast rap as well. I love that style. So um, it's definitely not that. But anyways, point is, this video's going around the internet and it's of him performing Mad City, which was like his first big hit or one of his first big hits. And the he invites a girl on stage, and it's a white girl. And now, she, I'm not trying to get inside this white girl's mentality, thought space, head space, anything like that. Not trying to analyze this situation, overanalyze it, or anything like that. But I got a problem with what happened. Because he called her up on stage to sing a song and put the microphone in front of her face when the part of the song where the n-word was said and if you haven't heard the song just go and listen to it and you'll know it's the starting part of the song and you know what i mean so when she says it now granted this girl is not a celebrity probably never been on stage in front of in front of thousands of people before she's probably overwhelmed by the situation she clearly loves kendrick lamar or why the fuck would she be at his show right um, not really the kind of thing if you're a passive or kind of maybe fan to go to. I mean, I'm a hip-hop fan. And I still don't go to hip-hop concerts because they're shit usually. But um, she's clearly a fan, clearly a fangirl, clearly overwhelmed by the situation. And she gets caught up in it. She gets caught up in it and, and she sings the song as it's written. So on the microphone in front of thousands of people, she says the N-word and he fucking stops her and calls her out and says, hey, 
basically puts her on blast for reading his words out loud. Now, maybe I'll get some flack for this. I don't know, and I don't really give a fuck. This was a setup. You knew exactly what you were doing. You were looking for the opportunity to call somebody out for being racially insensitive or ignorant when she wasn't. There's nothing racist about what she said. She was reading what you wrote. Can I not read text in the way they were written? Should I have to self-censor myself? And I understand what everybody's going to say. Yeah, you just bleep that part out. As a white person, you just don't say it. I'm sorry, but in every single fucking hip-hop rap song that has the N-word in it, I say it. I sing the words as they are written or as they are performed by the artist. I don't consider myself one iota racist at all. I mean, I, I couldn't I couldn't think of anything dumber to refer to myself as. Um, but there's no fucking way. I'll censor it here because I'm not going to say the N-word over and over and over and over again. Because that can be censored and should be censored because I'm just talking to you about it right now, right? However, this is a situation where you put a young girl, civilian, into a very, very overwhelming position and she happened to not self-censor herself the way you wanted her to. My question to Kendrick Lamar is, A, why did you invite her up on stage in the first place? B, why did you invite a white girl on stage in the first place and see why didn't you tell her ahead of time oh, and I'll throw a D in there why not play a different part of the song I'll throw another one in there how about not give her the microphone when that's clearly something that's in the lyrics that she would just get wrapped up in saying that's a setup to me it's a setup to me and it's gross because from all accounts Kendall, Kendrick Lamar is not a stupid guy Quite the opposite. So I can't rub this off as an accident that this girl just kind of fucked up and, you know, said what she said and, and everything like that. I believe she did that and just said what she said and was just reciting the song. But I don't think it was an accident that he called up a white girl to sing those lyrics. I, I don't. I just don't. Call, call it conspiracy. Call it whatever the fuck you want. It just seems a little too inconvenient for me that he would make that choice on that song and give her the mic then. It just seems really, really strange to me. So I'm calling bullshit on the whole thing. I'm calling uh, sabotage on Kendrick Lamar. I'm calling setup on Kendrick Lamar. Um, I don't really support him anyways. I mean, you know, if he does what he does and people like him, great. He's not a, f not a favorite artist of mine. Um, but I think this was a real scumbag move. I think it was a really intentional move. And I think it does nothing but create ongoing divisiveness where we could use some unity. And if you claim to be about unity, then you need to be a little bit more conscious. Because if you did this by accident, then you're a fucking retard. And if you did it on purpose, you're a fucking asshole. Either way, you fucked up. It wasn't on that girl. She, uh, of course, if she could go back, she would absolutely self-censor. And I'm sure that, like, she, I, I think she made, like, some, like, on stage like, not apology, but was like, oh, did I do that? Like, she fucking... I actually believe her, and, and this is not a white and black thing. This is a this is a setup and sabotage thing, and this is a unity thing, and this is a divisiveness thing. We need to stop this shit. 
We need to stop going at each other by gender and by color and by political affiliation because all it is is a form of tribalism and tribalism is the worst kind of ism. Because it allows all the other ones. As long as you know you've got strength in numbers because you align with a certain kind of group then you feel emboldened to take action that you would not do on an individual level. And that's a problem because we all need to be treated like individuals. We all need to act like individuals. We all need to think for ourselves. I mean, we need to critically analyze situations. Even if they're, you know, silly fucking things like this, it means something. It means there's a persona. It's the same thing with the royal wedding. I think I mentioned on the last show or the show before, I jumped into a thread because I saw this... Um, <clears throat> this friend of mine and um, she's of Ghana uh, she's from Ghana and you know obviously she has a, a, a very similar community uh, a lot of black people on her thread a lot of black people commenting uh, commenting on her th- on her threads and on her posts and the one that I jumped into was about you know white people white peopling and like doing all of this stuff and basically making fun of um, Meghan Markle's dad because Uh, He wasn't going to be attending the wedding and, you know, they were trying to whitewash the situation. And if it was the black side of her family, this would be much more serious and they'd be calling them names and they'd be ghetto this and, you know, racist stuff that and this and everything like that. And that this this wedding was going to do nothing for inclusion and nothing for diversity and do nothing for, you know, the black cause or anything like this. And it was, you know, woe is me and this is fucking bullshit. How come they're not saying anything about her mother and there'll be no spotlight on that and. It couldn't have been anything farther from the actual truth because the absolute highlights of that occasion were the reverend who is, I think, black guy from Chicago, the choir who was an all black choir, the sung stand by me, the cellist who is, um, I think he's from the UK, um, young black kid, 19. These were the highlights of the wedding. Her mom crying her eyes out, watching her daughter. Like the best parts of the day were supplied by the black community that was part of the wedding. Seeing Idris Elba there, seeing Oprah there. You know, it was it was everything that the black community itself was saying couldn't happen. It was so defeatist, but they wanted to spend their time waffling on about her white father and white people, white peopling was the exact quote that they were saying. That they ignored the fact that all of this beautiful African-American black culture was intertwined in the ceremony. Not a fucking word about it now. We got to stop this divisiveness shit, man. We got to stop this tribalism shit. It doesn't do anything for anybody, but keep us farther apart. It's like I said earlier about equal um, equality of outcome, which I'm totally against, right? Because you cannot avoid somebody being left out. It's why feminism in its current state doesn't work because they want equality of outcome for women. 
Okay. Think about who that leaves out. And over what sample are you going to be creating this equality of outcome? If anybody says to you, I am in favor of equality of outcome, ask them for who. As soon as you get the response, you know exactly who they are in terms of their mentality, what they're fighting for or what they think they're fighting for. And you'll also be able to point out how foolish that statement is. Because what are we choosing for here, right? So if a black person wants equality of outcome for black people, they marginalize every other person. Who are you equal to? Are you equal to white people? Okay, well that's a 50-50 pie, right? What about the Asians? What about the Europeans? What about the Russians? What about the Africans? What about the Scandinavians? What about the handicapped? What sample size are we actually gonna promote and produce equality of outcome of? It's an impossibility. Once you look at the very, very basic, simple maths about equality of outcome, you understand that it is an impossibility. And why the whole scenario at its foundation is flawed. And therefore, the only thing that you can do is allow and promote for equality of opportunity. Anybody that doesn't have the same opportunity as another group because of their affiliation or inclusion in a group, anybody that's restricted for quality of opportunity, that's segregation, that's discrimination, that's racism, that's whatever you want to throw at it. Equality of outcome is socialism and socialism doesn't work. Fundamentally, you cannot have equality of outcome the sample size just wouldn't be big enough. Somebody is going to get left out. So who are you fighting for when you say you want equality of outcome and who are you willing to leave behind? More importantly, right? It's not just as simple as like making a statement. You can't just make these bold statements like I'm a feminist. It's equality of outcome for women. We need 50-50 split on women to men. Okay, what about transgenders? Just like that alone. And do handicapped people get rolled into that? And what kind of women? Is it African women? Because then we need an equality of outcome for African women to white women. And then how do you square that with the equality of outcome for men, gays, transgender, whatever, right? All of these different groups. How are we separating the quality of outcome? Is it gender? Is it race? Is it religion? Is it age? Everybody always at some point will be left out. It's just about what you're happy with, which is why equality of outcome is not, is not feasible. It doesn't work. So I don't even know how the fuck we got onto that, but uh, oh yeah, of course, talking about the Kendrick Lamar shit. Um, I just think that whole thing was a setup and, you know, certain people get made pariahs of, um, 
due to really no fault of their own. And should she have self-censored? I don't actually think she should have. Because what fucking harm is she doing? If Kendrick Lamar doesn't know that white people are a massive part of his demographic and they're saying those words fucking verbatim, then he's ignorant. And he's joking and he's fooling himself. Maybe she shouldn't have said it. I, no, I fuck that. Fuck that. What's she doing? She wasn't calling him an N-word. She was just repeating the words he'd written and she happened to be doing it out loud when he stuck a microphone in her face. It's fucking ridiculous, man. And we, again, it's just to reinforce this tribalism. Them and us. Them and us. It's the same thing with TV shows, man. Blackish, one of these shows, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it. Fucking really enjoyed this show up until this season <coughs> where they went from being a comedy to a political commentator. And it's just too preachy. It's like network uh, TV trying to be a moral compass rather than just staying in the comedy lane. It's just, it's a bad move to me. You just seem to be trying too hard. Like, I watched an episode of Blackish last night and there's just no laughing. Like, I just wasn't laughing. There's nothing funny about it anymore. Um, but it's the same thing. They form an, an act and deliver it as a form of tribalism, right? If you've ever seen the show, there was always a bit of kind of playing it off each other, right? That's the whole kind of, sh that's the kind of whole thing around the show Blackish is, you know, their, their black family sticking true to their black roots and their culture and everything like that. But they have, they have to exist in this corporate white world sort of thing. It, that was kind of the dynamic. But in the first couple of seasons, it was funny. The dynamic and the interaction was kind of like a bit ignorant and a bit silly and like a bit irreverent and you could kind of get with it and you could see that they were poking fun. Like there was a bit of joking around with it and that was fine. It seemed okay. And now it's like a political show. It's just like political commentary wrapped up into the show at all times. But what they've done, speaking of tribalism, is they've, they've, they've created this massively obvious gap between the white characters and the black characters, specifically highlighted when Anthony Anderson's character goes to work. I mean, his boss, the boss's son, and the other white employee are just blatantly ignorant and racist. It's like, it's gross. Like, you know, it does like, it's fucking gross. It's, you know how it's being written. And Again, it's just divisiveness. And I know maybe some of you guys out there are like, fucking relax, Daryl. Fucking chill out. But it's a problem, man. This is the content that's being produced. This is a content that mindless people are soaking up on a regular basis. And, you know, I admitted being one of those mindless people because I've watched Blackish. But 80-20 rule, guys. I've spoken about that before, right? 80% of the time, I'm listening to political commentary, breakdowns, documentaries, different shit like that, interesting stuff, learning how to build shit, learning how to make stuff, learning about subjects I don't know. And then the other 20%, I'm watching TV. Shit shows like this, which I am more than happy to actively cancel off of my TiVo, as my, of my DVR. Nothing makes me actually happier than saying, well, never have to watch that again. Click. 
because TV sucks. Which is why I spend most of my time watching documentaries or listening to podcasts, content that actually has value, right? My last episode or the episode before the last one was called McDonald's for the mind. McDonald's is all right. I mean, I don't fucking eat that shit, but you know, have some if you fancy it every now and again, if you deserve it. But TV and the things that we put into our brain are exactly the same function. You can have McDonald's for the mind or you can have kale shakes and lean protein for the mind. Simple as that. So when one of these shows tries to become enlightened and political, but does it with remaining and expanding on the divisiveness between these tribes goes against the point of what you're trying to actually accomplish. And I know maybe this is a bit serious for a TV show, but when you subject another group to foolishness, being portrayed as foolish and ignorant to heighten the perception of your own group, that is missing the point. That does not create equality. That creates resentment. And it keeps us apart. And we need unity. We need to come together. Now, I think more than ever, even though this is the best time to live in human history, we still got some shit that's really fucked up and could be resolved and could diffuse the potential powder keg that we've got going on in many parts of our society um, and calm things down a little bit because there's a lot of shit under the surface and a lot of things that people aren't actually saying, but they're definitely thinking. And, uh, And I think we all just need to take a breath come together and understand that we're, we're more the same than we're different. So let's cut the shit and just get, just get to living a happy life. Ah, fuck. Sorry guys, hot coffee there. Um, right. That's enough of that. <clears throat> I said at the beginning that I wanted to end the show, uh, looking at, this weekend's paper, uh, not pay-per-view, this weekend's UFC event that is happening in Liverpool. And I wasn't joking, man. Um, <clears throat> I've been waiting, waiting to fucking just address this fight because you guys know by now that I'm a huge UFC fan, a huge combat sports fan, mixed martial arts, and that I follow it almost as closely as the people who get paid to do this for a job follow it. Uh, But I just, I love the sport. I love the sport. And the reason I love the sport so much is because I've watched it almost since it's, basically since its inception. Obviously, martial arts have been around for hundreds and thousands of years, not hundreds of thousands, um, hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, but mixed martial arts, as we know it now, is about 30 years old, right? There's some evidence there going back to, you know, Bruce Lee times that, you know, he was an originator of mixed martial arts and, you know, Wing Chun and all that stuff. But you know what I'm saying? Mixed martial arts like the UFC, like Bellator, like one FC world series of fighting, you know, these sorts of things. But the UFC predominantly is where I, 
reside and where I put my viewing hours into because it's the gold standard, right? Well, the reason I love this, the reason I love this sport is because of the evolutionary process that you get to see in the athletes and the combatants development over the years, right? Like when, when it first started, it was this discipline versus this discipline, which one's the best? Karate versus jujitsu, boxing versus Muay Thai, whatever, right? Then it evolved into striking and grappling. Who can put those two things together? You need a wrestling background, you need a kickboxing background. Let's mix those up and see what we can do. And then George St. Pierre comes along, starts to redefine what a mixed martial artist is, being an expert in everything, an expert in striking, but not just striking in terms of boxing or kickboxing, but in all kinds of striking, karate, Muay Thai, Taekwondo, all of these striking methodologies and being proficient in all of them. And the same with grappling, not just being a proficient wrestler, but being an expert wrestler and not just being proficient in terms of jujitsu defense, but actually being an offensive jujitsu player and mixing all of these things up and then being able to be cerebral enough to know what kind of training is going to optimize for this level of performance. And then we see the evolution go from there. And now we're really seeing the specialist disciplines melt away and people are no longer having to seek out these individual disciplines. They are now coming together in central locations. So people are less so being called a karate fighter as now they're being called a mixed martial artist. You'll still have st certain specialties and certain kind of you know, origins of your martial arts that you may go by, but ultimately you don't exist in this sport now at the highest level if you're not an expert in everything. It's just as simple as that. So watching the evolution of this sport is one of the things that I love the most about it. And what you're gonna see on Saturday night in the Liverpool Echo Arena between Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and Darren the Gorilla Till is, is that evolution playing out in front of you because Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is one of the most impressive and accomplished uh, kickboxers that there's ever been. He's something like 57 and 0, right? He has a style that is just on point. And GSP, speaking of, said that Wonderboy was the best striker he'd ever trained with when speaking about him before Wonderboy was really known. And for those of you who haven't seen Wonderboy fight before, I'm a, first, I'm a bit curious as to why you're even listening to me now. Um, but if you are an MMA fan, if you are a UFC fan and you haven't seen him fight, understand he is very much a point-style karate fighter. A very, very wide stance. A very, very in-and-out bounce timing movement. Very heavy on his front leg. Very proficient in delivering 
a variety of different kick disciplines, spinning, traditional, switch stance, and a very proficient counter striker because of the type of movement that he has in place due to his point style karate background. But he uses his legs and his kicks as a distance keeper. It's very hard to get inside and get close to Wonder Boy. Tyron Woodley did it a couple of times in their two fights. Ultimately, you know, had him rocked a couple of times, but couldn't finish the job. Um, and, you know, he ended up, you know, Woodley obviously ended up winning um, decisions on majority points. But those were chess matches. Everybody else, other than, I think, Matt Brown. Matt Brown beat Wonder Boy when he was first coming into the UFC, I think, first or second fight. Um, everybody else since then has lost. Either a decision or a knockout, whatever it may be. But Wonder Boy has overcome. So his only losses are to, I think it was Matt Brown, and then, obviously... Um, the Tyron Woodley uh, fight for the belt. He is an athlete. Wonder Boy is an amazing athlete. And don't get me wrong now. These guys are both enormous for the welterweight division. And they're very special characters within that division. These are two of the top welterweights in the world in any division, in any organization, you name it, for sure. My problem with Wonder Boy is twofold. He's been in a lot of fights with some really high level fighters. And he's had some great performances. He's had 57 or 67 kickboxing matches, which he went undefeated in, but still took some lumps. And he's 35. So the two things, in addition to those couple of things, the two things that bother me about Wonder Boy or make me think about Wonder Boy are one is age. He's been in the game for a long, long time and now he's 35. So I wonder if I wonder if his best years are behind him. And as a consequence of age, has his timing and his movement slowed down just a little bit because his once kind of unfuckwittable, un kind of, you couldn't, you knew what his timing was, but you couldn't get it because he was so, he was so good with his feet, keeping you at a distance, switching stances, counter-striking, everything like that. Now, if something like that slows down just a little bit, you become real susceptible to a couple of things. One, leaning heavy on your on your front leg, which opens you up to uh, obviously a, a a low a leg kick, a, a, a thigh or a calf kick or whatever it may be, inside or outside doesn't matter. But that leg kick is, or that that front leg being out there is uh, is a target, and a target that a guy who is proficient in Muay Thai would love to see which is something that Darren Till just so happens to be proficient at. 
So my questions around Wonder Boy are not with his skills and his ability because those are unquestionable. It's whether or not time is catching up with him and we're starting to see that. And if his timing by Darren Till will either be figured out or be more likely, in my opinion, ignored. And if it is, well, then it could potentially be a very, very quick night. Um, but I love Stephen Thompson. I think Wonder Boy is phenomenal. He's he's a dynamic striker. He's his movement is incredible. He's you know he's a special cat for sure, and he's a super nice guy. He's a super down to earth guy. He's all about the sport, being a sport, being an art. You know, grew up. And for all accounts, a very affluent, you know, well-to-do family. His dad's still his corner man and his coach. They have a very close relationship. Like, there's nothing not to like about Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Nothing. The way he carries himself, you'd love a guy like that to be champion. But he's a clean-cut, athletic, good-looking guy with the skills to back it up. <coughs> but... I think it might have come a bit too late. The fact that he couldn't get that the job done against Woodley twice for me is kind of like, well, I don't even think Woodley's the best 170er in the world. And he couldn't get that done who, you know, Woodley, yes, he's a an excellent wrestler and a devastating striker, but he's he's not a great striker. Like, he's not a clean striker. He's not a loose striker. He's a tense, throw-everything striker. He's made some adjustments recently, but overall, he's a berserker, right? And he's worked on his cardio and, you know, his his expulsion of energy and things like that. But, I mean, if you were to say striking pedigree looking at Stephen Thompson and Tyron Woodley, they're not even on the same, they're not even in the same conversation. Yet, that was almost a nullified contest. But on the other side of the cage on Saturday night is going to be a guy that, as I mentioned in the previous show, not too many people know about. They're starting to now. They're starting to now because the actual the UFC is actually trying to fucking do something with this kid. But the guy standing across from him, as I've said, is called Darren Till. And Darren, if you ever hear this, I want to interview you, bro. I've been a fan of yours since before people fucking knew about you. And, uh, and I was the one that screamed at the TV first when Brendan Schaub said, what the hell is Darren Till doing fighting uh, Cowboy? I was I was screaming at my fucking TV saying, are you out of your fucking mind? If you don't know who Darren Till is, you better fucking ask somebody. And if you sleep on him, you better wake up and apologize because this guy is a fucking savage. Okay? He is a savage. And this is one of the main reasons. See my voice go up straight away? You can tell him fucking hype. This is one of the main reasons I love the UFC and love... MMA because people claim to be experts and don't know shit. People claim to be experts and talk a whole bunch of shit when actually they don't know about this thing. They don't know about what's coming around the corner. Well, Darren Till came around the corner. 
He came around the corner and beat the shit out of Cowboy when nobody even gave him a chance or said he deserved to be in the ring with him or in the octagon with him. And I just couldn't believe how quickly they write off people because they don't know them or because they've never heard of them without doing any research at all. This guy has been fucking murking people. Yes, he's got a couple of decisions on his record, but that doesn't mean they were shit fights. One, he was coming back from an injury and basically warming up and just getting fluid again. He murked Cowboy, okay? And I'm going to say this, and Darren, if you end up listening to this, you won't deny this. I know you fucking won't deny this. There's a little bit of Connor in Darren Till. And most people are going to think when I say that, that this is about the brash, cocky, kind of shit talking, don't give a fuck, I'm the best and I know it type of attitude. That's not what I mean. I mean, this guy has a left hand from hell. He has a counter left hand that I swear to God is the devil reincarnate. He, he, like Connor does. Remember how Connor knocked out Jose Aldo and he saw him in the back warming up, practicing the move and it was a slip and a left. Well, Darren Till does that and he's one, he fights at 170. And to be honest with you, you can tell this motherfucker walks around at over 200 because he's a big old boy, right? That left hand that Darren Till has, that counter left, and if you watched any of his fights or seen the highlights that people have been throwing around the YouTube now, you must have seen it. His counter left hand, when he slips and counters, it's a fucking piston. It's a piston coming from a, oh. Just just beautiful, straight down the pipe or over the top. Doesn't matter. But it's clean and it's fast and it's fucking nasty. And I don't think anybody stands up to that. They might have before when he was still finding his feet and he was still young. This kid's 25. This kid is 25, and my prediction is he beats, so I'm going to give it to you now, right? And then we're going to keep talking about Darren Till, because I fucking love this kid. And this is why I love the UFC, because you get to see kids like this, guys like this, come around the corner and show you what the next thing is. They show you what the next stage of this game is going to look like, and it's going to look like Darren Till type of fighters which are going to be very, very few and far between, mind you. So pay attention. This motherfucker is going to run through everybody. People are saying, is this too much for him too early? Nope. He's going to run through Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. My prediction is second round. If Wonderboy is lucky, second round. I think he's too devastating. I think he's too confident. I think he's too young. I think he's too athletic. And I think he's got way too much. I don't give a fuck what anybody else has got to say. I'm here to do my thing. I'm in my lane. I'm focused on my priorities, my training, and my life. And I've got a goal to achieve, and I'm going to achieve it. And guys like that are dangerous. 
because hyper-focused, super confident, and talented, plus they work hard. If you haven't seen Darren Till's Instagram, go and check that out. Go and check out the highlight videos. Go and check out the workout videos. Go and check out behind the scenes videos. I am all the way on the Darren Tilt hype train because I don't think it's hype. I think he's for real, for real. Not only that, I think this. I think, listen, Rafael Dos Anjos and Colby Covington are fighting for an interim welterweight title because Tyron Woodley's coming back from shoulder surgery. Whoever wins that fight is going to have to fight Darren Till after this fight. Because I'm I'm, I'm saying it categorically. I think uh, if Wonderboy makes it out of the second round, he's doing very, very well. Unless this is an incredibly boring fight, which I don't think Darren Till is really capable of, it does not make it out of the second round. Darren Till is too aggressive. He's too powerful. And he's too confident right now. He's just got all the attributes going for him. So I think he runs through Wonderboy. I think he stamps his position at the top of the welterweight division. I think he wins the, call it interim, um, welterweight title off of whoever gets it on um, on the RDA, Colby Covington. How the, he got a fucking title fight, I don't know. Um, but whoever of those guys wins that fight, Darren Till has to fight them next. Has to, in my opinion. And whoever he fights, he's going to fuck them up too. This guy's a middleweight. You understand? And he wouldn't be small at middleweight. And he's fighting a welterweight. Because he's young and he can do that cut. And it's not going to tax his body as much as it will do in a few years. But in a few years, he's going to go up to uh, middleweight. He might even do it now. And I'm completely speculating because I've never talked to him. I've never heard him talk about this. But in my personal opinion... In the next two to three years, Darren Till is going to have multiple belts. If he stays healthy and he keeps his head about him, he will have multiple belts. He's he's so talented. He's such a savage. He's such a savage. And I can't wait for him to put on a display like I think he's going to put on in front of his home crowd in Liverpool. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> Liverpool is going to jump off like I don't think they've ever seen, right? Because they're huge football fans in Liverpool, obviously. But football is a certain type of sport that invokes a certain type of emotion in a certain type of way. Fighting, it does it in a completely different way. It's so visceral and so primal that the the way your heart beats when you're getting excited about a fight is completely different to when you're watching a football match or when you're excited after a goal's been scored. It's completely different because you know down deep in your heart of hearts that there's actual consequences to the loser of a fight. It's much more tangible. It's much more terrifying and therefore much more exciting. And I personally think Liverpool is going to erupt when Darren Till finishes Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. And he deserves it. He deserves it because of his 
background and his growing up, the fact that he had to move from Liverpool to Brazil to actually go and focus on mixed martial arts and get it done the way he should have gotten it done and then come back a man focused, hungry, full of desire, ready to go get the strap, go get it, ready to get a legacy. Man, that's a dangerous, that's a dangerous guy to look across the octagon at. And I just think, I just think Wonder Boy might be at the wrong side of 35. I think he might just, I just think, I think Darren Till is just too much. I think he's too much. I think he's too aggressive. He's super skilled. And like I said, you know, super confident. I just, a Muay Thai guy who's not afraid to go to the ground, who's not afraid to get hit, who's not afraid to stand and bang, but who's got the movement and the athleticism to slip punches and fucking counter. I'm telling you, look at that left hand, man. It's a cannon. Whop, hop, and it just whoop, recalls. Just recalls. It's out there in a blink of an eye. Go watch him. Go watch his highlights. Do yourself a favor because for the first time ever, this UFC event is going to be shown not on, not only on BT Sports, but what I've read also on the BBC for the very first time ever. The BBC are going to broadcast a UFC event. All... I got to verify the BBC thing. I saw it on a website, but I forgot to I, I forgot to save the link. But that's unprecedented if the BBC show it. Um, however, if they don't, it will definitely be on BT Sport. Now, I'm not going to even touch the rest of the card because I think originally Fabricio Verdun was supposed to be on it. He came off the card. Now he's been popped by USADA for uh, doping violation. Um, the co-main event is Neil Magny versus uh, I think a guy called Chris Shipton or something who's been signed from Bama. You know, he's a standout in Bama. But, I mean, what this is is an opportunity for Darren Till to bring his stablemates along and give them the opportunity to also shine and also put Liverpool and obviously UK MMA on the map. It's also to show that he can be a headline draw, which is going to then set him up for a title fight, which is then going to set him up for superstardom, which is then going to go and make him Connor-esque when Connor's done. Because Connor's effectively got like maybe two, three fights at the most. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm so excited for this guy to fucking show up <coughs> and show out. I can't tell you. I haven't been this hyped about a fight. <coughs> since the prospect of um, uh, Khabib and Tony Ferguson. And obviously we know how that went down. So all I'm saying now is for the next three days, Darren Till, just cut your weight. Just try to relax. Wonder Boy, find your fucking hotel room. Chill out. Relax. We don't need any last minute bullshit happening here. We want a show. This could potentially be the fight of the year. This could potentially be the fight of you know, the last couple years. But if it's not that, it could also be just simply a Darren Till coming out party, fucking stamping the flag in the, in the ground saying, I'm here, who wants some? So my advice to Darren Till, 
cut a promo, bro. When you win this fight on Saturday night, get ready to cut your promo. Call out whoever you want. Make it a good one. They're going to give it to you. And put Liverpool MMA on the map and put Darren Till's name in everybody's mind. Personally, I think that's good. That's what's going to happen, I think. I think Darren Till by KO or TKO. Second round. Definitive. Like I said, if he, go, if, he, if he makes it out of the second round, we got a hell of a fight on our hands. And it's going to be real interesting. But for me, I think Darren Till's coming to make a statement. And he's fully capable of making a statement. So let's see. So again, the good thing for you listening in the UK, this fucking event goes off at like 6 o'clock in the evening. Normal time. No excuses. So get behind this and support it. And obviously, if you're watching from the States, you've got a lunchtime. So you're going to be looking at uh, 1 p.m. 1 p.m. start on the East Coast. And uh, what is it? Uh, like a 10 or 11 on the West Coast. But you fucking guys can figure that out. 6 p.m. here, this event starts. I'm just going to confirm that for you on the... Yeah, 6 p.m. British Standard Time. The prelims are on at 4. There's a couple fights on there. But again, I'm not breaking any of these down. Uh, you can check it out on UFC.com if you want to. But for me, this is about one fight and one fight only. And that's the main event. This is a Darren Till coming out party that I'm predicting. And, uh, and I think he gets a stoppage. So that's all I got to say about that. And now I can take a breath. We did it. We got through it all. We put the world to rights and we covered some fights. How about that? Right. Time to go. I'm out of here. This is the last one I'm doing uh, this week because the rest of the week is crazy. Um, But I'll be back next week to pick things up and we'll keep on rolling. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I had fun this one. We talked about some shit. We got some shit done. I like it. Um, We're coming back. Next week, probably Monday, if I was to take a guess. Uh, But we'll see. We'll see what what the schedule's like, and we'll see what we've got to talk about. But I'm sure, as always, we'll have plenty to discuss. Um, So so that's a wrap, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, Continue to support. We appreciate it. Listening on SoundCloud iTunes, following us on Facebook. Those numbers are growing. Thank you uh, to everybody that's signing up to follow the show on Facebook. Uh, We are getting some international love there, and that is absolutely beautiful. Um, Twitter, we've got Twitter. Um, So yeah, you know, all the usual places. And like I said, I'll keep you guys updated on the the Spotify submission. We should be available uh, if they give us the green light. Uh, sometime in the next couple of weeks. So I will keep you updated on that and all other things that are podcast related across Facebook and Twitter. Uh, But yeah, give us some feedback, man. Rate the show, um, comment, like, all that good stuff. It all helps other people find us. And that's all we want. We just want want more people listening. So um, if you like what we're doing, tell your friends. Um, if you don't go fuck yourself, um, 
But uh, we appreciate everybody listening. Uh, I'm just waffling now, guys, so I'm out. Uh, thank you again so much. This is episode 35 of the Quiet Part Loud podcast. I'm your host, as always. And until next time, guys, all the best. <laughs>